when you're aligned with what you do, when it feels right, everything else does feel easy because you're in alignment. You attract the right people to work for you. You attract the right clients and your business is profitable. Imagine that. Welcome to Messy and Magnificent, the place driven women come to elevate their career, health and relationships. In here, we increase your productivity by replacing always being busy with the space to breathe. Hear your own wisdom and be part of a sisterhood that has your back. My name is Carly Fain, and together we're going to make sure that you have a doable plan and the roots to rise. I am having a full circle moment. So we recorded the first few episodes of Messy and Magnificent here at Metro Podcast Studios in Manhattan with Ian as my sound engineer. Today, we are recording the 20th episode of Messy and Magnificent, and I am back here with Ian. And I can't believe that in just a few months, we've already had 20 episodes come out. And we've had more than 3,000 women tune in. So none of this would have been possible without Ginny Sarah Swati. (laughs) Ginny is the woman, when I was thinking about doing a podcast, more than one person said, you need to talk to Ginny immediately. And she has been the most gracious person guiding me through her business, Ginny Media, in the process of learning how to communicate with you out there. And we had the pleasure of her coming into the studio so I could ask her some questions about her life and how she got here. One thing that you're about to hear in this interview with Ginny that I never knew until today was that this woman who was a, you know, multi-award winning broadcast journalist and podcast producer and has her own show used to be as scared to speak up. She didn't know how to use her own voice and something happened that helped her begin to share who she is and what she cares about. And she has now formed a business around that. But that said, to this day, not everybody still understands what she's doing. (laughs) She still has family members who love her dearly, who just don't get it. So I can't wait for you to hear what they think Ginny does for a living. But for all of you who are listening, who have great people in your life, but they just don't know how to support your dreams or goals, they don't understand why you're not okay with the status quo, that maybe your life looks really good on paper, you're wanting something else, and they don't know how to have your back around that, this is definitely the episode for you. So with no further ado... Listen in to my conversation with Ginny Saraswati. I have the pleasure of sitting here with Ginny Saraswati, who A is one of my favorite people on the planet. Oh, Let's thank just you, talk Kali. about that. About- oh, back at you. <laughs> but she's also the host of the award-winning Ginny Show podcast. She is the winner of the Edgar R. Murrow Broadcasting and Journalism Award, right? So this cool. is not no big deal. This is something. <laughs> and she's also the owner of Ginny Media and the co-founder of the Podcast Accelerator. So just a shout out to anybody who's listening in because you're curious about sh- about podcasting. Ginny's the woman. Like she, and I get no money for saying that. <laughs> we can talk about that. We can create a, a royalty plan. Um, but I, I say that because I mean it, because I've had the pleasure of working with you and I see the level of presence you have, the level of patience you have. <laughs> It's just astounding. I mean, you took me from, I kind of want to do a podcast, but I don't even know how to begin, to within two months having- You're a pro now. Like, the amount of people who message me saying, Messier Magnificent is one of my favorite podcasts, because you're starting a conversation that people have been having, like, underground. It's like the mafia of, <laughs> of forbidden conversations for women. It's like, come up now. It's, it's, it's now on the street. You're taking it to the streets. We're taking it to the streets. And we're doing this together. Yeah. Right. That's the whole point is we're forming community together. And you are a pro at community. You are connecting me to people left and right. And so I want to connect you to my people. Thank you, Kyle. Your Um, people are awesome. They are awesome. I I do. I do dig your people. I'm humble about a lot of things. There are two things I'm not humble about. (laughs) That's my Vitamix blender. Um, because it's freaking amazing. And and it's the people that listen to the Messy and Magnificent podcast. They're amazing. They are really, really special. So thanks for being part of the team. Listen, I'm so excited because I love listening to your podcast when I'm working out. I haven't been working out for two weeks, so I've been listening on my walks to the <laughs> coffee shop and back because everyone's scared about coronavirus. Right. But I, I love the fact that you have conversations about that encourage women and everyone really to nourish as opposed to hustle 
and then yes. go backwards. Yeah, that's but, so 90s. Yeah. Like, we're done. Yeah. We're, move, we're yeah. moving up. We're moving on. Yeah. Part of why I'm delighted to have you here is I know we're about to have some real talk. Yeah. We have some topics Ginny and I were just talking about that we know we want to cover, but I think there's going to be unexpected. Every time you and I talk, there's a left turn that I didn't <laughs> see coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That leaves me richer and wiser for having spoken with you. Yeah, back um, at you. So let's see. Let's yeah. see. Let's, let's see, see what where happens. we go. Um, <laughs> So, you know, if you Google Ginny, you know, for two seconds, you're going to see um, all the accolades she has, all the awards she has. You're going to hear about her journey, you know, all the places you've lived. But can we rewind for a minute and go way back when to little Ginny? Because right. you've just mentioned to me just now that when you were a child, you were scared, you were shy about talking yeah. in front of people. And you now own a media business. <laughs> you've got your own it's podcast. Ironic. Right. Right. So like, so take me way back when. It's interesting, Carly, that you say that because I sometimes I have a chuckle to myself because I make a living off people talking and me talking. Right. And to think back to when I was three or four, that's something that I was very scared or did not want to do. I kind of think, wow, I, I wonder if my life didn't turn around, if I didn't have the courage to speak, if I didn't meet who I met, if I didn't, you know, experience what I did, would I be where I am now? Would I be somewhat a quiet person, a little bit more introverted and doing something completely different? Right. But um, when I was... Two, we, um, I was born in Sri Lanka and um, I was a very spirited kid and I, I came 11 years after my sister was born and so obviously I was an accident as uh, I was reminded <laughs> quite often. And uh, because I, I was in a country, we, we lived in a house, I was just running around everywhere and then my family decided, okay, we're going to move to Australia. And I was a little bit pissed off about that, Carly, because I was not consulted. Mm. And, you know, you need to let the two-year-old know that you're moving <laughs> to a country. So we moved to Australia and we moved to Melbourne, which is my favourite city in the world. And because I was so annoyed, I drew on the wall. That was my way of expressing to my family, I'm really annoyed that you moved without me. We left this tropical paradise and we're in cold Melbourne now in like the heart of winter. What have right, you done? Right. And I think for me, like that element, and I still remember my auntie who greeted us because we stayed at her place a couple of days and she was wearing these bright green overalls and a black top. And it wasn't her fashion sense that was seared into my memory. It was the fact that this is a strange place that I'm in. Like the buildings look different. There's the, the place looks different, but obviously that is now one of my homes. So I grew up and then, and so w when we got there, uh, we moved to a little flat in Fairfield, um, my, my sister, my parents and I. And I remember that when we moved there, we, we lived there for about two, two and a half years. And then one night my mum said to me, pack your stuff, we're going. I'm like, oh, Okay. And I didn't know what was going on. My dad was working night shift, but mm -hmm. little did I realize that was when my parents were getting divorced. And none of this was actually explained to me. This was just like, you're packing your stuff, you're going. Dad will meet us at our new place. Dad didn't meet us at our new place. Right. My mother did not explain that to me. So these things about not speaking up, I'm like, I kind of had to figure things out for myself. So I think me not talking or that fear of speaking was because I was so internalized. Things were happening around me so quickly and didn't make sense that I was like, my four-year-old brain was like, what is going on here? Things look different. Place looks different. Dad's not here. Why are there no palm trees? Why is there no sand? Right. So all these things, the long-winded way of saying that, I think for me, because I was such an internalized person, it just allowed me to eventually communicate because that was the only way I could stay sane, really. Right. So right. That, that's why I talk a lot. <laughs> Well, yeah, so you're processing, right? Absolutely. Like, so you were processing on the inside, right? Yeah. Integrating, taking all of this information in. And then there came a point where you started to process a little bit on the outside because yeah. that's a lot to do solo. Yeah. Can you think of a time when you began to speak up? Can you think of a moment or... When we moved to Northcote with, with my mum and my sister, what happened was I was going to this creche and there was this lady who used to, she was a lovely tissue. Her aim was trying to get me to speak because I, I wouldn't really talk much at school. So she was pushing me on the swing and then, you know, every day she'd try and coax me to speak. So I'm actually really grateful to that lady because she really did encourage me to speak and talk and communicate. And I think the lovely thing about that now is I think, well, if you didn't encourage me to speak, would I be able to speak now? Right. Would I be able to communicate the way that I do now? Would that have put me on that path? So there was a time where she was pushing me on the speaker. Like, can you, can you say something for me? And I went, yes. And like made her day. And I'm like, okay, so speaking is good. Like, cause I got that approval. So right. that's kind of when the chatterbox Ginny slightly came out and then, you know, it accelerated. But what happened was when, when I was going through all this stuff, like my mum, she, she remarried mm -hmm. and he actually, he wasn't a very nice person. He was an alcoholic. So I saw him 
speak to my mother in a way that was very unkind. And my mother did not, in her defense, she didn't, she also wasn't skilled in how to kind of speak up or protect herself. So again, I'm internalizing this behavior and seeing this and observing this. I'm like, oh, so when this behavior plays out, you don't speak up. You internalize. Uh, this is what I'm learning, this right? What you're learning. This yeah. is what I'm learning. Yeah. And, and this is kind of what I grew up around. I'm like, ah, this is interesting. So all these things, and this is what we were talking about before, about the internalized things that you learn from your parents. What I learned from my mother is if someone speaks to you poorly, you internalize it and you deal with it. <sighs> <laughs> like I, I think I'm having such a huge sigh here because thank first of all, thank you for sharing. Right? Thank you. This is thank a tender you. story, yeah. right? So like thank you for for sharing that. And it's also so uniquely yours. It is so specific to you. And I'm thinking of all the women who are listening right now who feel like they can't speak. Yeah. And especially for a lot of, you know, the women who listen to this podcast are kind of driven, you know, they have goals or they, or they see themselves, you know, rising into something new and they might feel really confident and like they're able to speak in one area of their life yeah. and they find that they're not that way in their personal life. And that can be really perplexing, right? And so I love having this conversation about where we keep our voice small, where we don't, yeah. where it's safe to speak up, where it's not, you know, and where that, and where that comes from. Hundred percent, right? And where 100%. that comes from? Yeah. And so I'm curious, does it ever show up for you still today? Like, yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. I relationships are such a great teacher for us, um, personal relationships, romantic ones, friendships. Because the amount of stuff that I feel like I, I often have to think about. There's so many things in life that pop up around boundaries for me. And again, this is what I'm talking about. My mother, she had no boundaries with her husband. She had no boundaries with her generosity. She had no boundaries, period. Like she was sharing stuff with me and my sister that a seven-year-old, a four-year-old, a three-year-old should are not emotionally equipped to handle. Right. And I think that was a strong suit for the both of us because we learned to be supportive individuals and we learned to have that strength to share and be there for other people. However, it did not support us in what we were absorbing from our mother. Right. And that... Uh, our only real caregiver at the time too. So when I look at my relationships and now I'm kind of in the process of the self-care evaluation, that really has to start because I think with my mum, she just wanted love, that she was one of 10 children. So at the time when she was born in Sri Lanka, my grandparents were traveling a lot to provide for their 10 children. So she didn't get that love and attention. So I think for me, the way that I kind of can compassionately relate to her is we all want that love. We all want Mm -hmm. that approval and community, which she didn't have. So she thought in her mind, okay, I'm going to seek that in a partner. Right. And I'm going to do whatever it takes, sacrifice everything that I have for that partner. There were times where she'd say to me, I'm not drinking coffee for three months because I just want to have the most amazing partner. In my head, I'm like, firstly, why would you give up coffee? Because that (laughs) makes no sense. And then secondly, I'm like, this is very self-sacrificing. And that, again, what what I think we were taught was everyone else first, but before you. That's what we were taught. And that's what I carried on into my 20s and early 30s. However, now I'm like, that doesn't work. It hadn't didn't work for my mum. Don't think it works for my sister and does not work for me. Definitely okay, doesn't. well, we got to go there for a second okay. because you, you I wasn't going to bring it up, but you brought up the B word, right? Yeah, so boundaries, yeah, which right, we right. all know is my one of my favorite things to talk yeah, about yeah. because it hasn't been modeled for us. Absolutely this hasn't not. been modeled. Like a way of having healthy boundaries that's doable hasn't been modeled. And so no. we're, we're creating this together. Yeah. I'm curious. How did you start to notice that it might be time to have boundaries? Like what was cropping up in your world? When I was 24, I met my first spiritual teacher. So I'd been getting into spiritual practice. And when you have that kind of practice where you get still, you build a sense of awareness about yourself Mm. and about other people too. So because I had that practice, I was aware enough to know that my resting vibration, if you want to call it, it's pretty chill. I'm relaxed. I'm pretty happy. I'm not an angry person. However, when I feel angry, when I feel resentful, when I feel anxious and my body feels tight, I know something's up. Ah. And I know that I'm not in my highest vibration or I'm not in my I'm not in my true self. Right. If I feel angsty because I'm not that way. I'm quite playful and chill in and I think about, you know, if I think about what I value, it is that time presence, playfulness, freedom. I really do value my time and my freedom. And Mm -hmm. that's why I've designed the life that I have now. Right. So when I think about those things, the boundaries that keep coming up for me, I found that 
what I've been taught by my mother and also my father, even though my parents were separated, he is he's generous to a fault, mm-hmm. boundaryless in his generosity, as is and was my mother. Mm-hmm. And that is what I learned. Just keep giving. Just keep giving. Whatever you have in that cup, just give. Right. That is what right. you do. Right. That is how you be a good human. You just keep giving. So for me, I've always been generous in my time, generous in my energy, and generous with anything that I have. So when I'm depleted, I really feel it. And that shows up for me in weight. I gain weight. Ah. That shows up for me in headaches and migraines. It shows up for me in um, a lack of energy. It shows up for me in anger. They're the four key things that come up for me. I'm like, okay, there's something not aligned here. I love that you know you've got your own personal barometer. Like this (laughs) is how I know when a boundary would be appropriate, right? When I'm feeling that anger or when I'm feeling or like my weight is shifting, right? Like this is is how I know. I am so curious for anybody listening in, how do you know? Like what's your physical response when you feel like you need a boundary? I know for me, it's usually resentment. I get resentful of things I've said yes to. And it's because, oh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have actually said yes to that. I don't actually want to do it or I actually do want to do it, but I'm just not able to do it with everything else I've got going on. So I'm really curious for anybody listening in, you know, what's true for you around boundaries? When do you feel like, and I love your physical reaction, yeah. right? Like I physically feel when a boundary and when a boundary is necessary. Thank you for sharing, for sharing that. Thank you. It was, it's so true because it's such a common thing. And I think for me, what I'm working on and to be absolutely truthful is now I can say that because I have that awareness. I'm going to be like, all right, I'm starting to get, I feel this way. It's, I can listen to the whisper. But before it was the scream that got my attention. Mm. You're 30 kilos overweight. What's going on? You're 20 right. kilos overweight. What's going on? But now I'm like, okay, it's now a little bit, it's not as grand as it was before. So it's taking, right. So it's like you're not having to be as extreme. Like no. you're catching it sooner. So exactly. what I'm hearing you say, and tell me if this is right, like with practice, you're spotting when a boundary is necessary 100%. sooner. Because ah. you you get clear on what you value, right? right. And you get right. clear on what means a lot to you and what what you cherish the most. Mm. And when that gets compromised and taken uh, and not prioritized, that's when you start feeling it. And I'm like, okay, no, that's not what I want for myself. And right. I and the hardest thing sometimes is I think we we feel this women or men other people's voices that get into your head. No, but I need this now. Is it really that urgent? So much so that you can't do it in an hour and a half after your morning routine. Right. Like if it right. really is that urgent, like I think Julia Cameron calls people who need things randomly uh, in artist way, what's she called? Crazy makers. Oh. Like they're the people who like <laughs> need things and they're never yeah. organized yeah. and they're like, oh, I need you to pick me up from the airport. I don't have money from a cab and I need you to come now. Right, and right. It's like, whoa, where is this respect for time? But one thing I have learned, Carly, I'm going off on tangent here, is that <laughs> I think with people, their relationship to their time says a lot about their relationship to their money and to their relationship with how they value other people's time. I've, I've learned that about oh, people. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's time. funny you say that. Just yeah. yesterday I was talking with a client because she was she had clients of hers, yeah. you know, who are just who she loves. They're really good clients. She really likes them, but they're constantly asking for more. Can you do a little extra? Can, we, can you stay a little longer? Can you do a little bit more? Right. And, you know, what I'm aware of is that a large percentage of the time, the people who are pushing our boundaries don't have their own boundaries. Exactly. That, that there's like, like, it just hasn't been modeled there or it hasn't been explained or it hasn't been experienced yet. And so I think of the ripple out effect of what yeah. you're doing, right? Yeah. That you're modeling something, a form of boundary that people might not have known existed before, right? Yeah. Like there's a good chance that for the person pushing that boundary never occurred to them. That when somebody calls them to pick them up for the airport with no warning, yeah. that it's okay to say, do you need me to call you a cab? Yeah. Right? Exactly. Like, yeah. Like, like if you're legitimately stranded, yeah. you know, do you need me to call you a cab? So I, I love I love the honesty with which you share your experience, you know, yeah. and, and the in-processness yeah. of it, right? Like we're not, you're not done yet. We're not done yet. No. You still know? a work in progress. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of work in progress, <laughs> Ginny's in the Reclaiming Time studio. Right, which is this group coaching program for driven women. And the other day she, and with her permission, I'm sharing yeah, this. Absolutely. Because she said something that had us all like crossing our legs, <laughs> peeing, like we were ready to pee. Your family thinks you sell radios? Yeah, it's been a running joke for a so, while. So tell me about that. Like, okay. how do they think that you're a radio salesperson? <laughs> so firstly, when I, my background, I had a morning show in Australia for 10 years on and off. So I was on radio. So they knew I was on radio. They didn't really remember what station sometimes. My mother did, you know, bless her soul. She, it, the cute thing was I was on a gay radio station and I don't think she heard the gay community service announcement because that would have been a perfect time to be like, mum, I'm gay. Right. But she didn't quite, she was like, you're so good. I'm like, you didn't hear the Greek and gay ad, ad before? 
It just went over her head. So it was, it was really cute that she supported everything that I did but didn't really make the correlation. My daughter right. is a lesbian. I'm not gay, a lesbian. <laughs> and all the, ad, like, the ads on that station was, you know, Joy 94.9 Australia's only gay and lesbian radio. Went over her head. Like nothing. Like I'd come and she's like, I listened. It's so good. It was so cute. So my dad, bless his soul too, he's like, oh, um, like I'd come home and be like, oh, what radio station are you on? So I'd tell him, Joy 94.9. And he'd continue to ask me this question. I'm like, Dad, you can remember all these other crazy details about what time this particular appointment is and what time this meeting is, but you can't remember what radio station. So I found myself getting frustrated and angry at him. And it, it's one of those things with my dad that I've just accepted that he he's one of those people, and, and I can relate to this to an point. He's into what he's into. He finds it hard to retain other information. That's just how he is. Bless him. So I'm like, I'm going to make this fun for me. So I'm going to tell him a different radio station each time he he asks me. Like, what station? I'm like, oh, Nova. He's like, oh, what station? I'm like, Fox. He's like, oh, <laughs> what station? I said, oh, um, Mix. Oh, I'm like, okay, so you're not retaining this information. So I'm going to have fun with this. And like my friends would laugh going, you're so bad. I'm like, listen, I'm going to make this fun for me. So um, when I moved into podcasting and I moved over, they're like, so what do you do? You just sit at the cafe? I said, yeah, I sell radios. I just, just They just could right. not get a hold of what <laughs> podcasting is. And I think that's also a, a technological barrier. Yeah. It's like, oh, ah, yeah. so I sold seven radios today. And, you know, on my on, on the Ginny show, there was a season that I did where, like, you know, I was telling my aunties, oh, you know, I, I sold 10 radios for Christmas, busy time for Christmas. I, I, I you know, I don't sell radios. I produce podcasts. It's right. a very big difference. Right. But it was just the way that I kind of could relate to them to be like, this is what I do for a living. And I think for them, if I can get really centered about it, most people in my family have worked for the one company their whole life. Mm. So having someone to have worked for multiple companies and to ultimately run their own business and move overseas, like we've already migrated to a Western country, we're good, but migrate right. to another one and start a business and sell radios, what, what are you doing? Right. So I kind of I get where they're coming from. It's just too much information for them to absorb. Mm-hmm. So, again, I just made it a game for me. I'm like, I just sell radios for a living. It's like, oh, we, don't, I, we know you don't sell radios. I'm like, what do I do? Let's just go look for my food. For, like, it's just, <laughs> well, it, so here's, here's what I'm appreciating yeah. about this is that you have found a way to infuse humor into this, right? Yeah. And for all the people who are listening who whose family doesn't get what you do or they don't get what you want to be doing. Yeah. Right. So maybe yeah. you're playing by the rules. You're, you took all the logical steps. You're in the job. That makes sense. You went to the school. That makes sense. Now you're in the job. That makes sense. And you're not entirely fulfilled by it. Yeah. It's fine on paper. And yet you're not satisfied. And you're met with folks who don't get it. Right. Who don't get your desire for something to be different. And so I'm curious, how do you make the shift? Like when you're not getting that support there. Yeah. Where where does your sense of courage come from? This is interesting. I went to see Oprah a couple of weeks ago when she was doing her 2020 tour. And she said that the one thing that everybody that she had interviewed from your Beyonce to your Barack Obama to Michelle Obama, whoever the amazingness that she's interviewed, the, the personalities that she's interviewed, she said the one key thing that she found every person wanted or kind of needed from that moment is, was that okay? So it, the question they were asking Oprah was, do you see me? Do you see me? Yeah. So again, that question about the support for me, it was really about I felt like I wasn't being seen. And then I wrap stories around that feeling. I'm like, maybe they don't want to see me because they have a problem with me being gay. Maybe they don't want to see me because they're they're not really approving of who I am and what I do. So I kind of shifted my perspective and humor was a bridge for that. Mm-hmm. I have a support network around me who support me unconditionally. And I have, you know, uh, my inner circle, they support me. And, and that to an extent is needed for everyone. You may not get it from your family, but that doesn't mean you can't get it from elsewhere. And I find nowadays too with podcasts, if you just plug in your headphones, listen to that positivity, you may not physically have that person in your inner Like your podcast, like this podcast, Carly. (laughs) Plug it into your ears and like just surround yourself with that because I do believe your, your environment can be stronger than your will sometimes. And I do oh, believe I love that phrase. Your environment roomy. can be stronger than your will. That was roomy. I can't yeah. take claims well, to that. Roomy. Yeah. yeah, go roomy. <laughs> but um, but I, I honestly believe that. And I think for me, I've, I've I understand that. And I also can empathize too that for some people, living a life that is not what is so linear and what they've been told and shown, it's too overwhelming. And I get that. I right. really do right. understand that. Like right. for them, like why would you want to chase invoices all day? And I'm like. 
the freedom, the fact that I get to design my day every single day, like that means the world to me. The fact that I get to see you guys three times a year and spend quality time with you, that means a lot to me. May not mean a lot to you, but again, like this is what I do. Well, and you're touching again, like on this whole, what, what has and hasn't been modeled for us before. Exactly. It's really hard to envision something that we've never seen exist before. Right. And so like, so, so your family might not, you know, didn't occur to like, none of us knew 30 years ago, podcasting was going to be a thing, right? Even 20 years ago, we we didn't know that was going to be a thing. But also in that you're reminding me that in being around other people who dare to envision, right? Who dare to create the thing that they want, that that in and of itself is bolstering. And, and for everybody listening, who's, you know, in a place where you might be feeling like, so where's my people? Yeah. Right. Like, where's my people? It's not just the, like we don't, it doesn't have to be the person we directly talk to yeah. in the beginning, right? It's the podcast we listen to. It's the authors we're reading. It's the movies yep. we're watching. It's the books we're taking out of the library, mm-hmm. right? It's like we can cultivate a tribe that doesn't have to be our next door neighbor, right? It, in the beginning, right? As we're beginning to figure out who we are. You know, and we did a whole, we did a whole episode. That was one of the most requested episodes when we launched this podcast was how to make friends as an adult. It's so true. How to make friends as an adult because it's, we're not on the playground, you know? And, and if you're not at the water cooler, no. who are you talking to? Or if you are at the water cooler and, the, and that topic of conversation isn't fueling you, it's not satisfying you. Yeah. You know, there's not a lot of other time in the day to be interacting. So I'll make sure we put a link to that in the show notes for anybody who's listening in. Yeah. I'm curious for you. <laughs> how do you make friends as an adult? How are you doing this? How do you build this tribe that supports you? Well, this tribe that I have, so um, I think of my core six people. So my friends, Mullins, uh, she's been my childhood best friend. So it's interesting because I, I look at people in their adulthood. Some people are blessed to have friendships for a lifetime or since childhood or since, you know, time at school. So Mullins, Antoinette is her name. She moved to another state in Australia, but she's still today my best friend because she's one of those friends. I feel that with friends that you've you've had for your life, you grow with them or you outgrow them. You outgrow them or they outgrow you. And I don't mean that to sound harsh in any way, but I feel that people come into your life for a reason or a season. And some friends are seasonal. And unfortunately, that's just how it is. That time in your life, you're attracting those friends for a reason. But Antoinette has been one of those people. She's seen me through warts and all. Like, she's seen me through puberty, for God's sake. (laughs) And then, you know, seen me through the the initial relationships and then the series, everything like that. So she's like my number one person that I, I call upon when I need something. And she's always been supportive. Right. And then there's Emma and there's Kim and there's Vicky and Brittany. Like all these friends, they have some form of spiritual practice in mind. Oh. And that, that's what I found to be the common denominator. Um, they have some form of belief that, okay, you've got to do what makes you happy and you got to – and they, they are daring, all of them. They're all so daring in what they do and they're all so supportive in what they do. And the key thing for me is – When I felt like I didn't have that support with my family, I had those people to turn to. Mm. And, you know, you often think about where you want to get from point A to point B. you got to think about not where you are at point A. Think about who you want to be at point B. That's Mm -hmm. the kind of people you want to Right, be around. Right, right. We want to be around people who are two steps exactly. ahead of us, right? In an exactly. ideal situation who can who can elevate us. Exactly. Um, you know, and for a lot of high achievers, we are that person for yeah. a lot of other people. Right? 100%. (laughs) And we have to remember that. Like when we're the person who's feeling like the most inspiring in the room on a consistent basis, that can get draining, right? That we have to remember that there's give and take here too. And that we all need to be in the presence of somebody who's who's helping us, you know, reach the next thing that we're interested in. It's interesting you said that, Carly, because the light bulb went off in my head. I didn't realize till I started working for myself that how much of an introvert I was. Hmm. When I was doing all the radio stuff and we had events to go through, I'm like, I'm such an extrovert, but I did feel drained and I didn't understand why until I started working for myself. I'm like, I love my time to myself. I don't want to talk to anyone. That's cool. So that's when I realized that I am, I can be extroverted, but I really need more time, if anything, to recharge. And that's where my introvert self comes in. I just want to read a book. I don't want to talk to anyone because I've been talking to people all day. All day long. Yeah, you right. Know? That's what you're doing. That's what I yeah. do for a living. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just realized how much of an introvert I was. And, you know, it's funny because I think if I look at my life over the last 10 years, it went from going out, going out, visibility to just quiet. And that oh. is, and I realize I need a balance of both. Yeah. So, yeah. Yes. It's, yes. it's fascinating. <laughs> you, you are fascinating. You are fascinating. <laughs> so I'm curious to hear... From your perspective, why did we start working together? 
for reclaiming time. Well, other than the fact that you are fabulous and I think your message is so powerful and so important, especially for the next generation of women coming in. Again, there's been no modelled behaviour on what it's like to have a nourishing life. And like you said, we thrive through nourishment, not punishment. Oh, I think, she got it. <laughs> I got it. But I think that's what we've been shown. We've been shown punishment. And I think that is, again, like I was saying to you about my mother, my mother didn't know how to draw boundaries. She was not taught. Her mother gave birth to her when she was in her teens. I think my grandma had her first child when she was 14 or 15. So mm-hmm. how can a 15-year-old know, possibly have that life experience and that confidence to be like, I'm going to draw a boundary around my time now? Right. You couldn't expect that of it. And my granddad was out there providing. So he didn't have that time to either teach them that as well. So I kind of think back to that. And I think everything that you teach, Carly, about reclaiming time, and this is something that I say to my my family as well. I know one day when I leave this earth, I'm not going to take my money with me. Mm. So for me, what is the most valuable asset is time. So the more time I can put into what I value and what I care about, and the more skilled I can be about that for however many years I have left on this earth, that is what I will take away with me into whatever my next lifetime is. Right, right. right. And this is why I say to you, like, designing my day the way that I want it is so important to me. And I want to get super clear about what's important to me because I know for me that comes with learning how to draw boundaries. And that's why I joined Reclaiming Time. Ah, see, I'm now I'm making a little connection because right. what, I, what I hear you saying is how can you even begin to draw a boundary if you don't know what you're you're drawing it around? Exactly. Like what are you what are you trying to protect here? Exactly. Right? What is the thing that you want to honor or create space for? So yeah. right, so like the beginning of the boundaries is even knowing what is it that I value, right? Exactly. So that and that's the thing I'm gonna honor or create space, you know, space to make sure yeah. it happens. I'm not gonna leave that thing to chance. Yeah. Oh, that's good. And I didn't even know what I valued till I started working with you. Like mm. I knew I loved having a, a business and freedom, but I didn't, I, I still wasn't super clear on, on what I valued the most. Right. And I think for me, again, like we were talking about, how do I know when I'm out of alignment, when I get that resentment showing up, that anger where I feel de-energized or drained, that's what I know. Okay. I'm not in alignment with what I value. Mm. And reclaiming time for me is, is exactly that, like draw boundary, be really clear on what you love doing. And I hired an assistant for the first time. And I've been what's that to, like? It is fantastic. And it, <laughs> I, we have a bit of a joke on my team. And when they're editing this, they'll be like, ha, ha. The time that I I hired Francis, I call him my co-pilot, taking your, your terms as well, Carly. That's when I got sick. It's like my body, like, you've been holding on to all this. Oh, yeah. Let's just get you sick for two weeks because Francis has got this. Because, right, because you can. Yeah, and, like, who, who else can relate to that? Where it's like you finally get the weekend off or you yeah. go on vacation and that night, boom, you're hit with the migraine, the cold, the flu, the whatever. And yeah. it's our bodies know. They know when it's safe. Yeah. To start to mellow out a little bit when yeah. they've been on overdrive. And so I love that that's your example of like, I had this great assistant and then my body was like, oh, 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 like you can take care of me now. Yeah. This would be great. Yeah. And it this was be great. so good because in those two weeks, poor Prance is like, well, this is a great induction into Jimmy. <laughs> no, he, he's awesome. <laughs> but the other part of me was like, I got to experience two full days without working. And the nourishment that brought me, the calmness, the sense of peace I want more of that. This or something. So that is, again, that ex- I had to go through that to really realize, you know, it's okay to have two days off, Ginny. That's fine. Because I have not had two. I don't think I've had two days off in 10 years because I had a full-time job then I had a side hustle. Right. So two full days off without recording anything or doing something, I can't remember what that feels like, yeah. you know, but now I do. Okay. So here's what I want to know. Yeah. So you get two days off, yeah. right? What falls apart? Nothing. Ah, <laughs> I, I see where you got with a that. leading question, right? But like, but that's it. But the fear that yeah. it's going to fall apart is yeah. so universal. I don't know where it's coming from. Yeah. I've got theories, right? But no research to back it up. But to yeah. say like, but the fear is if I slow down, yeah. everything's going to fall apart. And for so many of us, we find that's when things start to come back together. It's so true. It's interesting because I have, we run on Asana at, at Ginny Media and What I actually found it led me to do is I was behind on tasks. I knew that being sick, I would be behind and I communicated that to my team. And we often talk about accountability in our team a lot, like taking accountability and then learning from it and doing better next time, right? Right. So it actually brought up a conversation. One of my team members said, Ginny, how do we have that conversation about accountability where, you know, where do we actually draw the line? So we're all good at saying, hey, when can we get this? When can we get this? But what is the next step? Because my team wait for my intro to do the Ginny show. And he was waiting for that intro. Poor Ash is like, 
so how do we wait? Like, what, what do we do? How do we have that conversation? It's a bit awkward. And I'm like, well, actually, yeah, you're absolutely right because perhaps we have to put a boundary in again to mm-hmm. say, well, if I don't get this by Thursday, the episode goes out without the intro. Right. And again, that's not a big it's not a big thing. You can go out without the intro. It's still an episode. Right. In my head, I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. But again, like, it's this fear that you have that it has to be done. And I have to, like, you know, stay up another two hours and do that intro or Because, in. fill in the blank for me, yeah. because what would happen if you didn't? What would happen in your mind? In my mind. If you didn't do all the things? Oh, like, you know, it wouldn't, no one would listen to the episode. People do still listen to the episode. <laughs> uh, you know, it'll be, it'll be a crappy episode. That's you won a bunch of awards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll say it for you. Right? Yeah. It's like yeah. it's subjective, right? Whatever yeah. I put out is subjective to however anyone receives it. So these fears that we create in our mind, it's not a big deal. And and this is why I was so grateful for being sick, even though it's it's the thing that I really don't like being forced to do nothing. Mm-hmm. It's exactly what I needed. Yeah. Exactly what I needed. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly Our what I needed. Our body is so wise. It 100%. will hold us accountable to what we need. Mm. And, you know, I just, I had a realization this week. I don't think I've ever had a female client that didn't hire me because, or I should say every female client, here's the other way of saying it, every female client that has ever hired me has had perplexing health symptoms. Every single one. I so was going through kind of like, you know, the highlights, you know, as we look at, you know, our ideal clients and who we work with and what's right. similar and what's not. And every single woman is having perplexing health symptoms by the time she hires me. Really? Yeah. And then sometimes that looks like, you know, um, migraines and headaches, things you used to be able to pop an aspirin for and it's not cutting anymore. Yeah. It looks like reproductive health issues. It looks like going to the doctor and having a clean bill of health, but not feeling well. And not being able to put a finger sometimes on what it is, but just feeling off. And each one thinking that there's just something wrong with them, that they just haven't gotten the solution for yet. And what I'm starting to have a hunch around is like, this is our body waving its hand saying, my dear, there's another way of working. Right. There's a way where where the body can be part of the conversation, that we're not just working from the neck up all day long, that we're not just detached human heads running around trying to do as many things as possible. But there's a way of of incorporating the wholeness of who we are. Um, So I'm fascinated, you know, to hear you say that. Yeah. Right. And that comes back to your boundaries thing, like the way your body is speaking to you, like how much wisdom is our body trying to tell us. um, And we're we're kind of, you know. Like, Not oh. going to pee when we need to pee, right? Exactly. <laughs> We're just like, yeah. Exactly what you said about migraines. Like I'd been getting them, I think the first year I started working for myself, I used to get them every month. And I thought maybe I need glasses because I used to wear glasses as a kid. I no longer wear I'm like, maybe I need glasses. So I went to the doctor, the optometrist, and they're like, uh, don't think you need, I don't think your headaches are from glasses. They're probably hormonal. I was like, all right. Now it, it was to a point where a painkiller would not cut it. Like I would just literally need to sleep an extra six hours that day. And that whole day, I remember one of our calls, reclaiming time calls, I had a migraine and I fell asleep during the call and you asked me a question. And it was like, Ginny, Ginny was asleep. Ginny Ginny was doing what her body asked her to do. (laughs) The only group where you can fall asleep in the group um, and be celebrated for it. Everybody was like, you go girl. Like you you need that rest. Yeah. Sleep. And when you put the recording, I'm like, oh God, I just heard Carly go, Ginny, are you there? (laughs) Ginny? It's like crickets. But yeah, it's it's so true. Our body is always talking to us. Yeah. Always. And it's our body is such a machine too. And I've I've accepted too like how I felt when I was twenty two, I'm not gonna feel at thirty-four. Right. Like I'm not going to wanna do like a, a marathon tomorrow. I'm not gonna wanna do that. I'm not gonna wanna buy all the tightest dresses in the I'm not gonna wanna do that. I'm cool in my jammies. Yeah. Like let's just be real. Right. So I, I just have also learned to embrace my body, but also give love to my body in a different way because it's so important. It's the only vehicle we have in this life. Yeah, it's Kate Northup who says, there is no business without my body. 100%. There is no business without my body, right? Like if the body's not working, we, we can't show up. Oh, so good. Okay, so I could sit and talk with you forever. Yeah. Um, maybe one day we need to do like an extended yeah. behind the scenes <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, of what goes down. But are you game for doing the messy, magnificent two way Q and A? I love this. All right. So Ginny has not heard these questions before, and we're going to go with your gut response, like right. what feels true. There's no perfect answer. I'm going to give you two questions. We call it a two way Q and A because then I'm going to give you an opportunity to ask me one. Okay. And then I've got two more to follow up. All right. Let's do it. So I'm curious, what is one mistake that you've made that you're thankful for now? This is deep. This is the messy part of the the conversation. What's one mistake you've made that you're now thankful for? I'm grateful for my first business being a flop. 
Mm. And I say flop, that's that's probably a harsh for being not profitable, not profitable, not sustainable and misaligned. I went into this business purely because I was seeing people around me make money in events. And I'm like, oh, that's a way to make money. So firstly, when you go into a business or any kind of venture with that being the the only intent and the goal, it's, that's a result. It's not a goal. It's not the intent. It's not, there's no service-based thing there. There's no, um, you know, desire to serve or help people or right. make things easy for them. Right. It's just to make money. Right. So it's going to be an uphill battle. I'm so happy for that mistake because I, I think I had that company for was it two, three years. I love doing the events, don't get me, and I love the people that I met at the time, and I love the artists that I got to work with and that kind of thing. However, in terms of a business, it wasn't successful. So I'm happy for that mistake because it taught me the, that when you're aligned with what you do, when it feels right, everything else does feel easy because you're in alignment. You mm. attract the right people to work for you, you attract the right clients, and your business is profitable. Imagine that. Crazy. I, you know, <laughs> all right. So you, there's an equation that comes to us from the field of positive psychology, and they've right. done a lot of research on why do certain people thrive easier than others, right? right? Or why are some people able to be resilient and bounce back? And the equation they, they, after doing a lot of research, what they came up with is they say P plus M equals T. And that stands for pleasure plus meaning equals thriving. And what we find is that if we only have one of those, it's not usually sustainable in our career. So if we have all the pleasure of the money, that's freaking great. But if we don't have meaning, then we don't have passion behind it. And vice versa. If it's all meaning all the time, then we're drained by that. We get exhausted, which is why we see so many wonderful service workers just depleted, totally burnt out. Because there's not also the pleasure, right? And so you're talking about, I love that, that balance, that P plus M equals T. All right, next question. Here we go. What is one thing that you're good at that other people probably have no idea about? Ooh, I hadn't thought about this. One thing that I'm good at that other people know I'm not good at. I would actually say, I think people do know this, but one thing I'm actually good at is is listening to what you don't say. I, I think people do, Some my closest would know this, but I'm, I am good at listening to what you don't say because you could be telling me that you're tired, you could be telling me that you need this, but I will be listening to what you say, but I will also be listening to what you don't say because there's things that I think sometimes that are to our awareness when we share things with people, other things are brought to our awareness. So right. I will help bring that to your awareness. I think that's one thing I'm good at. Ooh, what are, I'm listening to what you don't say. Yeah. <laughs> What's an example of that? Okay, so a friend of mine said to me, uh, I'm continually finding myself in this time that I'm binge eating mm-hmm. and I'm just going through this spiral where I'm not liking myself for it. And I went, okay. Well, what's going on in your life at the moment? You're not working. They, th- my friend has seasonal work. Like she only works for a certain amount of the year right. and there's one point where she doesn't. And I said to her, okay, well, what aren't you doing? And she's like, well, I'm doing my morning routines. I'm doing this. Well, this is a time. What, you're not, what she's not actually saying to me is I worked so hard in the last six months of last year. I just want to rest and I'm judging myself for mm. it. This is why I'm binge eating because she feels guilty for resting. Right. And that's right. what I said to her. I was like, you're feeling guilty for resting. She's like, oh. Right. And, I said, and this is a time where you're supposed to chill. Right. Your work is different from everyone else's. You only work X amount of days, months in a year. This is great that you get to that. Celebrate that. Don't punish yourself for not working. Again, appreciating the cycle. Appreciating the cycle. Exactly. So this is what listening to what's not Don't being said it. is. I mean, mm. it kind of, you could probably, I mean, I, I make it sound so poetic, but it also it also is in a way where I'm listening to what is important to you? Like I've li- heard right. you say what's important to you before and now you're kind of doing the opposite. Right. It's all about listening, right. Carly, really. It is. It's all about <laughs> listening. It is all about listening. So what's a question you'd love to ask me? So I'm curious, Carly. <laughs> so you, you, I love how you call this messy and magnificent. Yeah. What would you say is the messiest part of you? Ooh. Oh, gosh. How much time do we have? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would say, let's see, I don't know if the messy is, but certainly a messy part of me is... Hard to narrow it down because I think as I've given myself permission to be messier and to not have it all together, that um, two things are happening. A, I don't freak out about my messiness as much. And B, I realize there's more of it than I ever knew. Right. And it's like, oh, I'm messier than I realized, but it's also okay. Right. So um, like right now, one area that I'm messy is very literal, like 
my office needs to be more organized. Like it's, I'm a very organized person and it's not organized the way I want it to be. And it's funny because that's an external thing. This isn't this deep like yeah. thing, you know, but I notice it. It impacts my day, right? Like, and that's right. one of those things where I've had to get okay with it just being okay for a little while. Like it's, I have other priorities and other values. The desk is going to look the way it is. It's going to be messy. Yeah. Um, and that's okay. Like, that's okay. I have other things that I want to get done today. I want to make this episode. I want to talk to Ginny. I want to respond to this client's email. And if the desk is going to have a stack of papers today, is it ideal? No. Is it okay? Yeah. Right? Love that. Do you find that, this is, I'm asking a second question now, being very (laughs) cheeky. Do you find that when you're, when you're magnificent in a certain part of your life, there's another part of your life that gets messy? Oh, heck yeah. And it needs to be that way. Like, that is the natural balance, right? right? So it's, I'm prioritizing this one thing and this other thing is going to have to be simpler. And I think about when we talk about the big three on this podcast a lot. So having thriving health relationships and a career, Mm. it really helps if one of those areas is where you're really showing up that the other ones to the best of our ability, we make as simple as we can. Right. So if I'm going in gusto at work, well, then my personal life needs to be a little simpler. If my personal life needs a lot of attention, I got to I got to simplify work. Right? right. It's just that's just what it is. Gotcha. Yeah. You can okay. tell Ginny is like a natural interviewer. Right. <laughs> she, like, quick, she turned the tables here. Um, <laughs> so where are you going to these days for like a hit of inspiration or courage? Like wh- where do you go when you like you need a little something, something? This is going to sound really cheesy. One of the reasons why I fell in love with New York is because Anywhere, it's a walking city, for example. There's You can walk for miles in the city or whatnot. And also, there's always something to marvel at. It could be a building. It could be someone doing a crazy dance on, on, on the street art. It could be someone doing a crazy performance on a train. There's always something to marvel at. There's always things to be like, oh, that's a pungent smell. Let's just keep going. <laughs> there's things to marvel at and things to really anchor you into the present. Mm. So walks I love. Even where I live, they're in, it's still in the city, but there's lots of trees and everything and the beautiful Tudor houses, this beauty around me. So I find walks really inspire me. But also I love a deep conversation. Uh, That's uh, You can walk away feeling energized from that and yeah. listening to like a podcast or going to see someone speak that's motivational or just being adventurous. I'm doing the artist way. That's why I'm bringing up Julia Cameron a lot. She talks about taking yourself out for an artist date. Right. So I'm I'm looking, I'm, okay, I'm going to go paint a mug. So I made a mug, a self-care mug for myself, where like <laughs> it reminds me when I'm having my tea, have you looked after yourself today? So just something to get out and be creative. And it, and right. sometimes I just get some markers and I draw. Because, again, like when you talk about your nephews, they're just focused on that building block. They don't care about bills not being paid. Yeah. They don't care about dinner time. They're right. like, no, this is all about my painting at the moment and I need you to be here with me right now. Yeah. Because that's how they equate love too. It's it's not L-O-V-E, it's T-I-M-E. Right. right. So right. It's, right. it's that sort of thing. So yeah, that's that's what I do to feel inspired. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love it because it's that's accessible for most of us, right? Like your neighborhood yeah. might look different, but it's like, but this idea that I can just be out in the world with my eyes open. Yeah. Like with my eyes open looking for beauty or Pungent smells and experiencing the five senses, right? Which is another way of connecting back with the body. What do I smell? What do I hear? What do I taste? What do I feel? Or call your child, or call the child. Like when I call my niece, she'll tell me like funny things that'll happen that day. I mean, she's getting older now, so she's a bit too cool for school, but there's funny stories she'll tell me. She'll sing me a song that we made up in the car when we had, and I know she'll think of this song when she's 30. Like, you know, Puncha made that horrible song about chickpeas and smelling. (laughs) And it it will just be like, you know, it's one of those things that you can just giggle at. It's just the the being playful and just going back to simple things, you know, Mm. it's, that's, that's what makes things I think marvelous. (laughs) I love, I love your definition of inspiration. That's beautiful. So here's my last question for you. Even if others don't agree, what do you know to be true? Oh, okay. This is, this is going to be big. I think how you start your day most days correlates to what you value, how much you care for yourself, and how much you thrive in your life. Mm. I know that, that that sounds very simplistic, but I think how you start your day continuously, because I know every day is not the same. Most days, if you start your day with you, you will be more nourished. You will be more ready to take on your day. If you start your day for others, it's the opposite effect. Mm-hmm. And that's why I ask people on the Ginny Show, what is your morning routine? Because I'm curious, like, how do you prioritize your day? And some people's morning routines are as simple as I get up and have coffee. Okay, that works for you. Great. 
it's going to look different for everyone, but I find people who are constantly in what I call victim consciousness, who are looking to blame others, who are like, why don't they see me? It's like, you have the power to change that because you got to see you first. Because if you don't see you as important, everyone else won't see you as that way or you won't feel anyone else is seeing you that way. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, I think people might be like, Ginny, I don't agree with that. <laughs> but I think it's true. <laughs> but that is what you know. And, you know, and then I think that's that's why the question is phrased like that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Even because I think all of us, we know certain things to be true and we tamper them down or we play them down or we keep them silent yeah. because other people might not agree. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that it's less true. Right. It doesn't mean that it's less true. Because I think the rebel in me, it's like you were saying, Carly, that, you know, you've been eating, not eating meat for so long, but if you called yourself a vegetarian, the rebel in you is like, I'm going to have some chicken today. <laughs> right. So me too, like, I I feel too that when people talk about the habits of successful people, there's some form of morning routine in there. Some, And I'm like, oh, that's so restrictive. But there is a method to the madness, really. Yeah. You know, there really yeah. is. I'm like, no, I get it. I don't have to do it exactly like you do it, right. but I'll do it in my way. And I think that's what people kind of miss, that we're also individual. We don't have to copy Richard Branson's or Jeff Bezos' morning routine. We can use that as a template and be like, I'm going to tweak this because I've tweaked my morning routine over two years. People think I'm crazy. But again, you don't have to follow what I do. This is what works for me. Do what works for you. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> wise words from a wise woman. So I want to hear from you listening in. Hit me up on social media. Send me a screenshot of you listening to this episode because I want Ginny to get to hear your takeaway. So what do you remember from this episode? What moment, what thought is standing out to you? Maybe something we shared, maybe something that just came from within you. Remember, you thrive through nourishment, not punishment. Keep taking care of what you value, including yourself. And I will see you again next week. Ginny, thank you for being part of our community. Carly, I love being part of this. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> thank you for listening to the Messy and Magnificent podcast and being part of this dynamic, life-giving community of women. I consider each episode part of a lifelong conversation of you and me hanging out, sipping tea together, making sure that all women become richer, more nourished, and able to keep on rising. So I'll see you on the next episode next week. But in the meantime, don't forget to head over to carlyfane.com forward slash podcast to get the full show notes. And I've also got some extra special free resources for driven women over there that you won't find anywhere else.